Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest continues with part two of his teaching on walking in the power of God. So we've been talking about walking in the power of God. So why are we talking about this? Well, it's important for us as individual believers to learn to walk in the power of God. So collectively, we as the church can grow and walk in the power of God and become the glorious church that God has called us to be. Amen? The church that Jesus is coming back for. Amen? So last week we talked about how Jesus in His earthly ministry, in His earthly life, set the example for us to follow. How to preach and walk out the gospel with the power, with the love and compassion that is inherent in that gospel. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 in the New King James Version, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul says the gospel is power. They are synonymous. You can't separate the power from the gospel. They are one and the same. We talked about how we should see ourselves as the mighty warriors that God called us to be, just like Gideon in the book of Judges. Only with the knowledge that the power that we walk in is far superior to the power that he walked in and all the other Old Testament saints walked in. They only had the Holy Ghost upon. We have the Holy Ghost upon and the Holy Ghost within. Amen. In fact, Romans 8.11 says, We have in us, if we are born again, the same Spirit that God used when He raised Christ from the dead. Amen. You have resurrection power living on the inside of you. We talked about how believers should get into the Word, find out who they are in Christ, and start acting like it. We talked about how that Jesus fended off all the devil's attempts to make him doubt who he was as the Son of God in Luke chapter 4. Amen? Every time he was tempted, he responded with the Word of God. He said, it is written, it is written, God has said. So in the same way, we as believers, when we're challenged by the devil to doubt our identity in Christ, we should respond in the same manner with the Word of God and say, no devil, it is written, it is written, God has said. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.17. One that never before existed, I've been born again. Hallelujah. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21. How about this one? I'm as righteous and holy as God Himself, Ephesians 4.24. Oh, Brother Scott, you better walk that back. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.24 that we need to put on the new man, which is created like God in true righteousness and holiness. Whether you realize it or not, you are spirit, soul, and body. And one part of you, one-third of you, is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost, just like God. As we said many times in this church, the challenge is to get that man who's on the inside to show up on the outside. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you'll remember from last week when Jesus stood firm in who He was as the Son of God, in spite of all the devil's temptations and all His rants to the contrary, He came back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Amen. After a 40-day fast, He came back spiritually more powerful than when He went into that desert. Amen. 
In the same way, when we refuse to listen to the lies of the enemy and settle it in our hearts who we are in Christ, we can return to our world in the power of the Spirit, just like Jesus. You know, the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? Well, maybe you're not called to go overseas. Maybe you're called to go into your world, your circle of influence, the people that you have regular contact with that you can touch and impact. That's your world. Go into that world in the power of the Spirit, knowing who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Last week, we challenged you to confess Luke 4, 18 and 19 over yourself every day for 30 days. But you can start your 30 days today. Amen? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Jesus set the example of walking in the power of God, walking in what we call signs, wonders, and miracles. John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Let me just take a minute. Let's stop right there. Now, I don't have time to teach this again, but I have a teaching on the changing of water into wine by Jesus in John chapter 2. There were empty stone earthen vessels. Jesus said, go get those earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So those stone pots were types of human beings without the presence of God on the inside. And God said, fill those water pots to the brim. Isaiah says in chapter 12, with joy will I draw water from the wells of salvation. So when you get born again, God deposits in you a well of water producing everlasting life on the inside of you. But then something happens when Jesus gets to working on that water. He changes the water. He energizes the water so that it becomes living water. In this particular instance, wine. That's a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. So, in the beginning of this verse here, Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. Again, a type of the born-again, spirit-filled experience. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. 
This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Now that word translated sign in the New King James is translated miracle in the King James. It's the same Greek word. Sign, miracle can be used interchangeably. So notice that the very next sign or miracle that Jesus did after he changed the water into wine, which was a type of the born-again spirit-filled experience, was a miracle of healing. So the way I see it, Jesus was walking out in type and in reality the priorities of the Father God. I want my people saved, filled, and healed. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Notice also that the man whose son was healed and his entire household believed in Jesus as the anointed promised Messiah because of the miracle that was done on their behalf. Amen. Hence, we're getting into the territory of the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus made it clear that signs, wonders, and miracles confirmed His Word confirmed that it was true and that God had sent him into the world. John chapter 5, verse 36. For the works which the Father has given to me to finish, the very works that I do, they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Amen. John chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. John 14, verse 8 through 13, he's talking to his inner circle, his closest disciples. Verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet, You have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father, listen to this, he's transitioning from words to works, but the Father who dwells in me does the works, works of power, signs, wonders, and miracles. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Listen to this. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He's saying, listen, if you're having trouble believing that I'm sent from God and that the words I speak to you are the truth of God, just look at the miracles that I'm performing. Miracles that no one in the history of the world has ever done before. Look at the miracles and you'll know that I'm speaking the truth and that I'm sent from God. Amen. Verse 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Glory to God. Now, a lot of people think this is a a passage that applies to prayer. Now, I suppose you can uh, apply this generally to prayer, but if you go two chapters forward to John chapter 16, that's when Jesus talks about prayer. He says, Hitherto you have asked me nothing. 
But the day is coming when you will ask the Father in my name, and anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That's talking about prayer. This passage is in the context of doing the works of God that Jesus did, and then these last three verses, the works of God that we will do in his name. The signs, wonders, and miracles. And so when he says, for whatever you ask in my name, the actual Greek word there for ask is ask, require, or demand. Whatever you ask, require, or demand in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, if you ask, require, or demand anything in my name, I will do it. What does that say to me? It says, when I go out there and I lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, Jesus said, I got your back. It will be just as if Jesus was bodily there himself laying hands on that person. If we can ever get that image and that concept in our hearts, we'll never again say, what if nothing happens? Because the onus is not on you. You don't have any power to heal anybody except the power that was given to you by God to use in Jesus' name. I lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Mark sixteen seventeen, I believe it is. Amen. That's all you need to believe. Well, I don't have a healing anointing. I don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit as much as some other people do. I don't care. You can always go to Mark 16, 17 and say, I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover because Jesus said that when I did, he would heal them. And then if an anointing shows up, great. And then if a gift of the Spirit manifests, great. But always go forth to pray for the sick by faith alone and then let God supply the Spirit when it's necessary. Amen. Glory to God. When we represent Jesus on this earth, the power of God, signs, wonders, and miracles confirm the truth of the word that we preach and that we were sent by Jesus into this world. Glory to God. Did you know you were sent into this world by Jesus? If you're born again, if you're spirit-filled, you were sent into this world by Jesus Christ. John 17, 18, New King James Version. This is Jesus praying in the upper room before he went to Gethsemane. This is what he prayed. He was praying for his disciples. And if you read the whole thing, he was praying for future believers. He was praying for those who would believe on Jesus through the word of the disciples. That's you and me. He was praying for you and me 2,000 years ago before you and me we're even born. And this is what he said. Listen, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So get the progression. Very logical. God sent Jesus, and then Jesus sent us. Amen? Jesus came in the name of God. Now we come in the name of Jesus, but it all goes back to God, and God is glorified when Jesus is glorified and when his name is exalted. Glory to God. I tell you what, I'm getting all fired up here. All right, these next passages that we're going to read in the book of Acts are going to be in the New Living Translation. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. So what's the point? What does it mean to publicly endorse somebody? 
Basically, he's saying, listen, I'm attesting to the fact that this is my son. He came from heaven. And the reason I'm doing these signs, wonders, and miracles is to prove that the word that he speaks is the word of God. Amen? Peter begins the sermon that he preached on the day of Pentecost talking about the signs, wonders, and miracles that Jesus performed. It was kind of how he teed up the whole sermon. And if you keep reading, he says, this same Jesus, approved by God, who done all these wonderful miracles, you call for his crucifixion. Now, we read on, we find out that later on, 3,000 people came to Jesus because of this sermon. So that tells me that he was speaking to a crowd far larger than 3,000 people. Probably ten or 15,000 people. And in that crowd were Romans, Gentiles, and Jews, and the crowd that called for his crucifixion. When they said, do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? And they chose Barabbas. And Pontius Pilate said, what do you want to do with Jesus? And the crowd said, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. It's interesting, and I think it's awesome, and it just shows how God doesn't think like we do. How that he formed the basis, the foundation of the first church by calling to repentance the very people who call for his crucifixion. That's where those 3,000 believers came from. Isn't that awesome? All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 43. This is at the end of the sermon that he started in Acts 2.22. It says, Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Hallelujah. Think about that. Talk about church growth. In one sermon, you went from 120 to 3,120. Glory to God. And, and then a couple days later, he preaches again, and 5,000 more people came to believe in Jesus. So the church grew from 120 to 8,120 in a very short period of time. Amen. Listen, if God could do it then, he can do it now. Amen. I received that for Faith Life Fellowship by faith in Jesus' name. Glory to God. I want to get that out in the atmosphere. Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. So, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. There it is again. Notice that after Peter preached the word on that day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved, that the Bible describes a transition from Jesus doing signs, wonders, and miracles to the apostles doing signs, wonders, and miracles in Jesus' name. All right, so let's continue. Acts chapter 4. Verse 29 and 30. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade or Solomon's Porch. Acts chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. The same thing happened in Iconium. This is in Asia Minor when Paul is on one of his missionary trips. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. 
Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Once again, we come to the point that the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles, walking in the power of God, is to confirm the word that you preach so that people know that you're speaking the true word of God and that God sent you into their life. Amen? Words alone are not enough. Our words have to be backed up by power. Even the word of God. And I know that sounds like I'm limiting the word of God, but hear me out. If you go to some of the remote parts of the earth and you preach the word of God and you say, Jesus is Lord, and they ask you, why do you say that? Because the Bible says so, because the word of God says so. Well, they will bring you their holy book and they will say, my holy book does not say that Jesus is Lord. So now you've got a quandary. How are you going to prove which word is the one that is true? Well, the Bible says signs, wonders, and miracles. All these scriptures drive home the point that words alone are not enough. Our words have to be backed up by the power of God. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4 and 5. Listen to this. This is Paul speaking. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's basically saying, I'm not coming to you to pontificate with eloquent words of man's wisdom. My preaching may be raw, and I may not be eloquent, but what comes out of my mouth is the word of God, and the truth of that is confirmed by the power that backs up that word. Amen? 1 Corinthians four eighteen through 20. This is again Paul speaking. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will. And we will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And there are several that translate it like this. For the kingdom of God is not just in word, but in power. It's not just words. These are words that come from God, and thus they are backed up by the power of God. Amen? Lest you get the wrong idea, let me say that signs, wonders, and miracles are not the realm of the apostle alone or any of the other fivefold ministry gifts found in Ephesians 4.11. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's not the realm of the fivefold minister alone. In what has become known as the Great Commission, hear me out, Jesus tells us the one qualification necessary for walking in the power of God. Walking in signs, wonders, and miracles. Would you like to know what that qualification is? These signs shall follow them that believe. The only qualification to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles, according to Jesus himself, is that you believe that Jesus is Lord, that you are a believer. And if you're a believer, Jesus said, these signs will follow you if you believe. Now, unfortunately, in the body of Christ today, there are a lot of unbelieving believers. Let's read what Jesus spoke in Mark 16, 15 through 20. And he said unto them, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. 
They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. What does amen mean? So be it. So what is, what is the writer saying so be it to? So be it that everywhere they went, the word of God was confirmed by signs, wonders, and miracles. I tell you what, even the Bible says that's a good place for an amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So listen, I'm going to say it again, and I want everybody to say amen. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Glory to God. I'll wrap it up with this. I got one more scripture and then I got a testimony. The concept of confirming the word with signs, wonders, and miracles can even be found in the Old Testament. And one of the best examples of this is Elijah, when he raised from the dead the son of the woman who was his landlord. 1 Corinthians 17, 19 through 24. And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Praise God. Glory to God. That last scripture says it all. Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. What's the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles? To prove that the word that you speak is true and that God sent you. You're sent by God. You're a man or woman of God. Amen. I want to share real quickly a personal example of confirming the word with signs following. Back in May of 1986, I know that's a long time ago, I was asked by the church that we were attending in Corpus Christi, Texas. Trish and I were there. We were parents of a little baby girl, Marcy. She was just a few months old. And they asked me to come and teach a six-week series before the main service on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we had this class that was scheduled from 9 to 10. I think service started at 1030. And in that class, I was teaching methodically in six weeks the nine gifts of the Spirit. Now, with six classes, you know that you've got to double up some. And this particular class I was teaching, I think it was the second or third class, I was teaching on the power gifts, gifts of healing, working of miracles, special gift of faith, amen. And I basically got through with the message, and I heard the Lord say to me, I want to demonstrate, I want to confirm that the word you just preached is true. I mean, I heard it very clearly in my spirit. And I was just like questioning the Lord. What do you mean you want to demonstrate? He said, see if anybody needs a touch from the Lord. So I did exactly that. I said, listen, the Lord just told me that uh, he wants to confirm the word that I just taught you, that I just preached to you about the power of God. Is there anybody in here that needs a touch from the Lord? 
And to be honest with you, I was hoping somebody would come up to me with migraines or a sore back or something like that, which I felt like my faith could handle. But that wasn't the case. From the very back of this classroom, in a room about the size of this room right here, there's about 25 people in there, this man walked forward, and as he walked forward, he looked totally normal to me. I thought, I wonder what this guy's hurting about. He looks perfectly normal. Well, then he turned himself sideways to me uh, and presented his right shoulder to me. And I saw that his left shoulder blade was perfectly normal, but where he should have had a right shoulder blade, there was just a hole in his back. And he said, look, look, I've got a degenerative bone disease. Uh, I'm scheduled for surgery on Thursday. They're going to go in there and see what they can do to reconstruct my shoulder and maybe give me some flexibility, some range of motion, some use out of this shoulder. I don't know what came over me. I put my hand, now listen, this is kind of awkward because he had a deformity. I put my hand in the hole in his back, my left hand, and my right, right hand I put on his chest. And I began speaking to that bone, speaking to that muscle, speaking to those blood vessels, tendons, and ligaments, and commanding them to grow. All the while feeling awkward because putting my hand in the hole in his back drew attention to the fact that he had a hole in his back. And I just spoke. I mean, it was like I was Jesus. It was like Jesus took over my body. I said, I speak to you, bones, ligaments, tendons. You grow in the name of Jesus. Grow in Jesus' name. About five seconds after talking like that, I started hearing popping and grinding. And then I felt warmth under my hand. And then his hole began to fill in. As it did, it pushed my left hand out of the hole. And I sat there and watched with my hand on top of it, God grow him a completely brand new right shoulder blade. A clear miracle of God confirming the word that I preached that morning in what amounts to Sunday school. Sunday school. The greatest miracle I've ever been a part of personally happened in a Sunday school series. You should never limit God's power wherever you are. What He can do in Jesus' name in places you would never expect. Listen, God is faithful. Now, since that time, I've seen many, many miracles. But I have not seen that many to rival that one. Uh, By the way, you want to hear the end of the story? He went to the doctor on Wednesday for pre-op x-rays. And they took the x-rays and said, listen... We don't know what happened to you, but this is your shoulder before, and this is your shoulder afterward. We are canceling the surgery. There's nothing we need to do for you. You've got everything you need. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, let's determine that we're going to preach the word with boldness, and we're going to expect God to confirm the word with signs, wonders, and miracles following. Amen? Because I'm telling you, if the gospel we preach is the power of God, there's no other way to preach it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That means if you preach the word, God is willing to confirm that word with power, which will result in people getting saved, healed, delivered, and set free. Amen? Glory to God. Let's do it. Let's not just talk about it. Amen? 
Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Walking in the Power of God. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.